Hi everyone, and welcome back to this wonderful podcast called Parent Life. I'm Nayeli, the intro woman, also known as Derek's daughter, so he volunteers me to do these podcasts. Don't get me wrong though, I love doing the intros for all of you tired, stressed, working parents and giving you hope that maybe one day your messy superhero or high maintenance princess could turn out like me. Just kidding you guys, remember that your kids are precious no matter where they are in life because like Mufasa said, you must take your place in the circle of life and so must they. Every season has its ups and downs and without it they aren't complete. Okay, here's the real professional now. Take it away, dad. back to the show that prioritizes kids. We do that by looking to equip parents with knowledge, with passion, and especially the experience from our journey. 10 years, about 100 kids, that's a lot. Quick update on us. My wife and I are still looking for a job. We have chosen to stay here in Oklahoma City instead of going somewhere like another group home or something like that because our kids are just about out of the house and we want to kind of establish them in college and and, and all that. The actual parenting portion of our life is, is, seems to be winding down. So this is a very, it's a very interesting phase for us as we are, we're in flux. We are trying to figure out what is the best way for us to use our skills and experiences moving forwards. And part of that for me is, is sharing what I've learned. And so, and, and that's what this is all about. I had a great talk this last week with Chris Campbell, who is the director of the 111 Project here in Oklahoma City, and his they focus on getting a foster family, specifically one that's part of a church, and they surround them with other people from that church for a specific foster kid. There are about as many churches in Oklahoma as there are children in foster care, and so his goal is to essentially get make sure that there is nobody in the system who is not being taken care of in a foster home that is focused on that child. So so making sure that, that churches in Oklahoma are responding to the, the need within foster care by, by stepping up and supporting one family within that church that's going to take, take someone who's in the system who is not being taken care of at the time, who's either in a shelter or is in some kind of limbo or perhaps they're a teenager and uh, essentially, you know, nobody wants to deal with a teenager. So had a great meeting with him. What an awesome organization. And we might be partnering on some things in the future. So I'm hoping to have him on the show at least once. We we ask everyone, hey, please review us. Give us a review. Uh, if you like the sh- show, five stars and subscribe. That helps get us in front of more people who can use this information. And uh, let's get into it. All right. Enough with the dilly-dally. Today we are talking about bullying. Bullying is a hot-button topic in our culture right now, and, and it's also, in my opinion, very misunderstood. It, it is extremely important. For me, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I was bullied growing up. However, I can remember one clear experience with a bully, and that was in seventh grade. And it was, it was before school, and everybody was in the gym, and we are just goofing around, killing time. And he and I went for basketball at the same time, and I had I had casually known him, and I wasn't I wouldn't I wouldn't have used the term bully at the time, but I knew that he was just kind of aggressive, and we went for basketball at the same time, and I got to it first, and I and I jerked it away from him, and laughed at him, <laughs> that I had got it first, and 
next thing I know, everything was dark. He had hauled off and just punched me just right in the jaw. And he was, he was a big, solid kid. And, uh, and so anyway, so in that moment, my parents had always taught me that it's not, not right to fight. And in the moment I just was like, well, that's how it is. However, obviously something like that doesn't just disappear. So there was some resentment within me, and then I was clearly looking for a way to come back at him. Maybe about a month or two later, we got into it again in the parking lot, and this time I was more ready. And so we were rolling and scrapping, and we're you know rolling around on the ground. Uh, some some adults started coming our way, and we and we split and, and got out of there. Um, however, like that memory is very clear in my mind; it's vivid. And looking back now, he there was lots of little comments from him towards me. So was I being bullied? I, it my whole life I would have called it, you know, a typical situation in junior high where kids are feeling out their social dynamics and their social power. <laughs> That's what I would have called it. Now, I would also I also understand that a lot of people would call that bullying. And, and, and I can, I can see that. And, and certainly things like that needs to be addressed and we need to teach our kids how to deal with it. There is a misunderstanding in our current culture. There, there are some people who say, who see bullying and everything. There are others who don't see bullying at all. And they say, well, it's just, it's just kids trying to understand their social power and trying to understand social dynamics. For, For me, I feel like I can certainly speak to this. I've been in high schools, middle schools, intermediate schools for the last decade figuring out various situations of <laughs> of interpersonal power plays between kids because my kids were in it in it a lot. Like I said about 100 kids have come through my home and and that's that's a lot of time in schools and you know talking with principals and vice principals and and teachers and you know this kid is being aggressive in school or they're bullying or this kid is complaining to me of bullying. I'll get into some of the stories as we go, but, but that I've, I've been in this context a lot and I've watched the conversation around bullying grow as it should. Like we, we need to be aware of the challenges that our kids face. We need to be aware if, if our kids are the ones doing the bullying, we absolutely need to be aware and we need to help them walk through that both for our children as well as for, for other children, whether they're the bullied or the bulliers. Many, well, my kids tended to be marginalized. And so they were coming from situations where they were poor, they have been taken from a, from a home or their own biological home. And so my kids tended to be on the end of those who were getting bullied. However, I certainly had some bullies in my houses. And, and we, like I said, we'll get into that. Sometimes kids would come home crying to me, uh, especially my girls a little bit more, and they'd tell me a story of something that happened at school, and, and especially as I got into high school, there, especially my girls who had gone to sexual abuse and those who had been promiscuous already, um, some of that was certainly common knowledge in the high school, and so there was a lot of comments and and sexually laced comments towards them, um, derogatory comments, and so. Wait, and and I would I would call some of that bullying, and and there was times where they'd come home crying. You know, sometimes like I had several of my girls who, 
after being in, involved in church for a, for a while, would say, look, I'm, I want to give up that old life. I, want, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want that to define me or that's how people see me. And, and especially in that situation where the old persona continued to cling to them and others would had to find them that way and they were trying to change, that, you know, they would come to me and, and it was difficult. They, they had a hard time stepping away from that and dealing with, with that objectification, those, those, that emotional aggression towards them. There were times, of course, where I got the phone call that said, hey, your kid was a bully today. The, the, the teachers wouldn't say that word. They would, after a while in the conversation, they would insinuate it or something. But, but that's essentially what they were saying. Hey, your kid was the aggressor here. You need to come get him. In, in Alabama specifically, when one of our kids was suspended, they had to go to the alternative school, which was a 50-minute a drive one way from our house. And that, that was the part where I'd be like, look, I don't you cannot get suspended because this is this is a huge amount of time out of my day where I'm ferrying you around. For for the girls going to the public school, the bus would stop by and it was, you know, bus pick up, bus drop off. But the, you know, alternative school, man, I was I was always on them about that one. To to keep things trying to keep things generally simple, we all know that hurting people hurt people, right? This is we the especially for those of you who are who are working with a kid from foster care, it's there's a lot of pain involved in their past and, and they're gonna be taking that out some way. Even even situations at school where kids get picked on, even from a from a safe, healthy family, there's 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 pain that, that comes. Like there is no perfect family, there's no perfect situation. We're all we're all carrying hurt and pain from our past that we perpetuate onto our kids to some degree or another, and they perpetuate it onto others. So, so, so I'm asking you, listener, to come come with a come with a humble mentality, a, a mentality of wherever I'm at, wherever my kids at, we're going to make some improvements in this area. It, it now there's there's multiple ways to look at this. You know, when we're around as adults, when we're not around. Um, and the, and and both are very important. Now, for my kids, there were times where I didn't, unless there was physical aggression and someone had literally been attacked, I wouldn't put a whole lot of time into an investigation as to what had happened. I would I would have a very, uh, I would try to be very discerning, and and suspicious isn't the right word, but not believing everything I was told. In the beginning, I was a little bit more more gullible, I'd say, and then after time, it got to the point where I I knew that I wasn't getting part of the story, and and from our episodes on on memory, what we know is that we always interpret current events through our through our uh, past or previous lens, and so even when someone says something, it's very clear, like, hey, your shoes untied. You know, in the past, if there was, you know, their parents were yelling at them for their shoe being untied, that child is taking in a whole lot of extra information than that current interaction is actually is actually happening there. So, so that's the part where I knew that whenever I was working with a kid from trauma, they were always carrying that extra baggage for every interaction that they were going into. 
And as such, I couldn't, you know, a kid could come home and tell me, hey, so-and-so hates me and they've been picking on me all year and, and, and you know, they're just, lo- they're just out to get me. It, possibly, probably not. You know, there's, there, there's always extra baggage in these situations. So that's the part where I'm encouraging you, be careful, understand that the kid's always carrying extra and they're viewing interactions through a certain lens and a filter that makes the truth hard to discern, not just for us, but for them as well. The, the, there's dynamics, um, what's uh, abstruse, uh, like arcane, the, these, these, these tiny little pieces of, of information that probably we don't know or we can't even get to as parents. Um, they change the whole, the whole dynamic, so we got to be careful with that. All right, let's get into it. This is going to be three sections. Number one, we're going to talk about personalities and, and attachment styles and bullying. And then number two, bullying that's away from us, that happens behind our back. And then number three, bullying that happens around us. So the first one, there's, there's various uh, personalities. And, and we're, we're, again, we're going to go with the four, the four animals just for the sake of simplicity. We have the lion, the, the golden retriever, we have the otter, and we have the beaver. The lion is almost always going to be the bullier. They're going to be the one who is the aggressor in the situation. The golden retriever will almost never bully. They'll usually be the ones getting bullied. Um, the otter and the beaver. The, the otter will bully if, if they're attached to a lion and they're just going to join in because it's fun and that's the social connection. And, and it's, you know, if there's someone off to the side that everyone just bullies and, 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 and there's social connection around bullying, a lot of times the otter will jump in. So we got to be careful with our otters. We train them, hey, if someone's bullying someone else, you got to step away from that, which is really, really hard for an otter to do. Uh, for a lion, it's not hard. A lion's like, yeah, it's wrong. I'm, I'm out. The, the golden retriever, they, don't, they, they understand that very well implicitly, that, that emotional pain and that hurt. The otter doesn't. They it's hard for the otter to step away from a lion leader and say, no, that's wrong. I'm distancing myself from this. So if your child's just fun-loving, while they are not naturally a bully, it's easy for them to, to fall into that if they're in the wrong group. And then, and then the beavers. The, the beavers, <laughs> a lot of times, if they are the bully, it's focused on, the, on their concept of right and wrong. So they see something that, you know, they're like, look, this, it's, it's wrong that... Um, so a, a lot of, this was a lot of racism in the past. So a, a beaver says, is told, you know, this certain race is better than this other race. And as such, it's wrong for these races to be together, something along those lines. And so beavers take that, that right and wrong. This is the way the world should be. And they, and they, they cling to that, which is why it's so important that we verbalize to our kids, all our kids, but especially our beavers, Hey, this, this is how things should be. Everyone is equal. Everybody has equal value. You know, race, sex, all of it, equal value. So, so when, when we do that, our beavers will oftentimes be champions of the one getting bullied because they see the right and wrong and they call it out. If we don't clearly define those lines within our home, then they allow their cultural dynamics of the school to define those, those criteria of right and wrong. So... 
that's that's very important for us, especially with with beavers, to to clearly tell them because they they, it's not too hard for them to stand up, and say no, this is wrong because it, they have a very strong core level belief that black and white. The attachment styles probably don't affect us a whole lot, although the anxious anxious preoccupied attachment style um, is probably going to be the one that is the most susceptible to, to bullying or to being a bully because they're worried about you know people and how they're viewed by the others around them. Avoidant and dismissive is probably not so much going to be involved in bullying. Uh, on a side note, Adam Young does a great podcast called The Place We Find Ourselves and I absolutely endorse it um, and there's no, <laughs> there's no money or anything like that involved for me. It is, it is great to help us understand ourselves as parents and our attachment style and what we might be missing out on giving our kids because of how we were raised or, or our past. So here's, here's the next question we want to ask ourselves. Is our kid going to be bullied or be the bully? And so for me, we, we worked with my bios. We worked really hard to make sure that they weren't ever being a bully to the kids in the house or around us. Uh, I like to think that we succeeded. You know, I don't have any specific examples of, of my bios being bullies, although there's a great chance it happened without my knowledge. We, we, we worked, again, very hard with them to make sure that when uh, non-bios were in the house, foster kids, etc., that they weren't bragging about certain privileges, that they, that they didn't lord it over them, that they were a servant or or helpful to the to the non-bios in every way that they could be, instead of well, you know, I get to watch what TV show I want to watch. It'd be no, no, let's let's serve our serve our um, our our sister here or our brother. So now that can that can go too far as well, and I hope that we found a good balance on that. But what I'm saying is that I don't have any specific examples of my bios and bullying with. With uh, the boys and girls in the home, I got a ton of examples. So one of them is a young Hispanic girl, and we'll call her Kay. And she was just extremely timid and mousy, and in, in all situations, she was the one being bullied. Her parents had come to the United States, and then had she, they had her, and they essentially just left her at a hospital and took off. Um, they, they thought that she would have a better life here, and they, and they ended up, they were back and forth across the border and, and in Mexico and back. And, and really, all I, all I caught was snatches of their story here and there. But this girl, Kay, didn't know where they were. Um, and she was constantly trying to find them. And every once in a while, she'd hear from her sisters, who were also in the U.S., you know, oh, they're in this town in Mexico. And we'd try and call, and, you know, numbers wouldn't work, and it was always a disaster. Anyway, she was extremely timid, extremely mousy. And... So we would work with her on speak up for yourself. The, the another girl in our home, call her D. She had some, I don't know about bullying, but definitely some uh, aggression from boys in middle school. She's she's attractive, and boys would proposition her and kind of push things with her a little bit. And so we had to teach her how to speak up and defend herself. And we'd and we'd role play that, you know, stand up, say this, say that, you know, and she'd be she'd be embarrassed about it, and so I'd do it, you know, I'd be playing the role of a you know a seventh grade girl, 
there in the home. Everybody loved that. Uh, me, not so much. But but there's definitely some role play that needs to go on with the timid or those who don't have any kind of sense of their own power. I had another girl, we'll call her A, and she was very popular. She was sharp. She had a tongue and the the volubility with words that absolutely she could just flay people and everybody was scared of her and what she would say and she had kind of just an aggressive posture and attitude and she I mean I mean I in in pretty much every situation if there was a problem I knew she was the aggressor so so we we got it we got to just be have a have a common sense or a heads up about our kids like look what are their talents what are their abilities what are they naturally like and what are the odds that they're aggressor or you know the being bullied the victim in the situation oftentimes the answer is situational you know you and you can get a good sense of how it is we with we always want to be aware of uh, our kids childhood the abuse or trauma um how comfortable or uncomfortable they are in a certain environment, you know, their understanding of their self-image. Uh, in this school district we're here in Oklahoma, it's very much an upper-class school district. You know, most kids have a car by the time they're a sophomore in high school, you know, and then, I mean, I drive through the parking lot, and 9 out of 10 cars is worth more than mine in, in, in high school. And that's, that's just how it is. And so our kids very rarely... Once they hit high school, very rarely were they aggressors because they felt, you know, that they're part of the lower class socially. Okay, let's get into kids being bullied away from us. So this is probably the, this is this is the typical bully situation that most people think of. You know, mom and dad are at work. Something happens at school or on the playground or after school, and and there's there's a my child is being bullied situation, right? And this is, there's a lot of different approaches to this. Our, our culture is doing a good job of, of understanding that we can't just let kids do and say whatever they want. Like there, there needs to be tra training, there needs to be teaching. We have a responsibility to teach and guide our kids and to protect them from the, the worst aggression of other children. Now, it, it, it's obviously very easy to go overboard on this and to call, to, to demonize a kid or to, you know, make a scapegoat out of a, a certain child in a situation and just slap the, the label bully on the child and, and go too far and, and, and really, and really uh, cause damage to this child or, or potential relationships in the future or something along those lines. So, there's going to be a couple articles I reference in this, plus plus my own stories. The first one is by a book by Izzy Kalman and How to Bully-Proof Your Child. There's a lot of good ideas. There's some in there that I don't think are so good, but we're just going to stick with the good ideas. One of the, one of the best ways that she says is that to take the fun out of bullying, because bullies are looking for a response, and, and, we, and we acknowledge to them the power that they have. You know, so if something we we teach our children to say something along the lines of, if you want to believe that, I can't stop you. You know, just just a yeah, you you've got the power to say and believe what you want. Or if someone's being bullied for being overweight, uh, it must be nice to be skinny. Then people aren't mean to you. <laughs> a 
little little passive aggressive, but but a good line. Uh, and you know what? I I know I'm not invited to your party, and I hope you have a great party anyway. Th- those are the, those are the things that it's showing the bully that they are not getting, they are not hurting, they are not causing the pain that they're hoping to cause, or or get the emotional response that they're hoping for. So that's it is. It is important to teach our children how to differentiate power. Like when we get into an argument with someone, you know, no, I'm not, or something along those lines, it's easy for them to continue the battle and they and they see that they have touched a nerve. And so we, we teach our kids, say, oh, well, you know, you can say what you want. Or, yeah, you don't have to invite me to your party. Or, you know, sure, yeah, it's a red hat. You know, that we, we allow for for the, the common a recognition of common ground of a certain truth or a statement and then say hey you know you do what you want i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna separate myself i you know i'm not i don't need to go to your party i don't i don't need for you to think of me a certain way you know i don't have power in that area so fine you you do as you do as you choose that's that helps our children to understand the the line of where they have power of of how they can be powerful in the situation Bullying that happens away from us is oftentimes the most difficult kind. We only hear part of the situation, and it's being affected by countless emotions and experiences. I know for for two of my girls, we'll call them J and C, they they were very similar, and I, so I put them together as roommates. And over time, they started to complain to me that they needed a different roommate, and I'd. I was, I was always reticent to have someone move rooms because it, it always created another set of problems. And so, like, it had to be a big problem for me to switch roommates, um, boys or girls. So they, they wanted to switch roommates. And, and, I, and I, so I sat through a couple situations where, you know, they, would, they were just t- telling me complete opposites on what had happened. And, and neither of them was very good at being truthful. And so I'd, I had no idea what had actually happened. And, and I decided, look, they, they, they like each other a fair amount of the time. And the rest of the time, I just decided, you know what, if you guys can't get along, you're just going to have to sit at the table. You're just going to have to get a consequence. Because this is not a situation where, you know, there's violence or anything like that happening. You're not in danger. You're going to have to learn to figure things out. You, you just... It's very much a sister situation. You're just going to have to figure out how to make things work with each other. They, they would both, I knew, I knew they would argue, um, but around us, the, we had our rules for what happens around us, and, that, and I'll get into that in the, in the final section. But away from us, they, could, they would continue to argue, but it became, it just, they would just stop bringing it to me as a complaint. They learned how to handle it, and, and, the, and I would say they handled it fairly well. My, my two bio sons have this as well. They, they both know how to disagree with each other without taking it too far. Now, I know that they disagree and argue more away from us, and, and around us after a little while we'll say, okay, that's enough. You know, th- there's no more of that, and everyone understands, otherwise there's going to be a consequence. And away from us there's a little bit more, but they both enjoy each other's company, and 
and because our rules are around us are fairly tight, away from us they they do very well and they do they even though they they cross the line that we've set around us, they don't go too much farther beyond it away from us. Okay, this went a little bit longer and farther than I was hoping, so I am going to finish this up in a second episode next week. This has this episode has reminded me that that parenting is really difficult and there's so many judgment calls and so many tiny situational aspects to parenting that that are are an added stress and it's added mental fatigue on top of what is already a very busy life for all of us and especially single parents especially situations you know if you're trying to figure out a bullying situation you already got a job and you got these added stressors on you already this is this is hard stuff so let let me just say parent i mean way to stick with it way to keep fighting through and even right now taking the time to to listen to something like this where you're like look i'm just going to get a little bit better i'm going to focus on what i can do to to take one more step you know to go from a from an a parent to a a plus parent that's uh, these are the little things that that you absolutely need to be congratulated for and i just want to say well done because it's not easy and it's, it, it is easy to just quit in the moment or to let it go or think, I'll, I'll deal with that later. It's always, it always takes a little extra effort to, to put forth a little more, to use a little bit more energy. So, well done. Good job. Do a great job with your kid this week. Give him a hug. Tell him you love him. And we'll see you next week.